Welcome to the Alcohol Rethink Podcast with me, your host, Patrick Fox. This podcast is for the guys out there who question the role that alcohol plays in their lives, men who want to stop drinking and don't know where to go or how to start. We're going to cover all of that and more. Let's go. Hi guys and welcome to episode 96 of the Alcohol Rethink Podcast. Today, I'm joined by another awesome guest. His name is Glenn Doherty Jr. He's a mindset and fitness coach. He also helps guys to overcome their addictions. He does that by showing them how to develop discipline, positive mindset, and train their bodies to peak physical condition. Glenn's a husband, father of two, four years sober. He's also the co-host of a podcast called About This Life Podcast, which is with his wife, Shafondra. And they share their story to help others. So without further ado, Glenn, welcome to the show, dude. Thanks for having me. <laughs> this is exciting. Yeah, nice, mate. Well, you know, I always love these conversations because I really have no idea where they're going to go, but they always offer such a ton of value. And, you know, like I introduced, like we we're on episode 96 already. And it's it's so funny, like people come to me now and they talk about like some of the earlier episodes and things I said or things other people said and it's just inspiring, man. Like just to to recognize that we can both be that ripple of change in in guys' lives, but not just for guys, right? Like it's, it, lots of different people listen to this podcast. So, absolutely, almost made it to episode one hundred, huh? <laughs> nearly, dude. Nearly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but but yeah, no, I agree. I mean, being in you know what's referred to as the sober community, the the sober space. It, yeah. It's it's almost kind of new to me. It's it's something that I feel like I kind of missed out on uh, when I was going through my journey. And we can definitely talk about that. But it's great to see, you know, folks like yourself and other people uh, help those that have been in our same positions that are looking to overcome their issues with alcohol and, and help them, you know, become sober and maintain their sobriety. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Yeah, I would say that in the beginning, I wasn't really aware there was a sober community. I, I mean, I guess I, that's not strictly true. Like I joined the Facebook group and there was like a few hundred people in it. I ended up taking over the Facebook group and then managing it myself. So like I, I kind of like was in that community. I just didn't really appreciate it at the time. But certainly the last few years I've as I've done this podcast and like interviewed more people and found out other resources and stuff like there is a really wide sober community and it's it's definitely worthwhile tapping into yeah and for i'll be honest man like i just found this community if i think two or three months ago oh, <laughs> so nice. it's like this huge rabbit hole for me you know and going on these these podcasts and, and sharing my story this is all new to me. And so it's, it's, it's exciting uh, to, to talk to folks like yourself and, and see all these tools and resources that are available, you know, not only now, but over the last couple of years. And, you know, with me being sober for four years, just going through that journey, you know, times were a lot different back then, right? You know, social media was, was there, but, you know, when I was going through the process, sobriety, it, it really wasn't, like a thing, right? Where you can find these communities outside of AA. Uh, and so, yeah, this is awesome to to be a part of. Nice, man. Yeah, there's a lot more. I would say like my sense is there's a lot more safety and sobriety outside of those more traditional avenues, such as AA, for example. Right. So let's dive in, man. Like, let's go back four years. Like, let's hear about your journey to sobriety. I'd love to get started with there, dude. Oh man, yeah, it's it's a long story, but I'll do my best to kind of make it short. You know, my drinking issues really started in college, but you know, during college, I didn't really look at it as an issue, right? Because yeah. once you go off to college, you know, alcohol is pretty prevalent. <laughs> it's it's a party scene. You know, they're not really checking your age. So you're a freshman going in and, and there's abundance of beer and, and hard liquor. And so that's when the partying, the Thursday, Friday, Saturday nights, every weekend going out. But that was normal in college. So drinking, especially having an issue with drinking, doesn't really stand out. 
um, until something serious happens, right? I'll never forget when I was in college and, and rest in peace to this student. There was a student while I was attending, they actually passed away from alcohol poisoning. Jesus. Um, apparently they were on a, a almost a two day bender uh, drinking for like 12 hours. And you, you see something like that. It kind of hits close to home because you think mm -hmm. like, man, that, that could have been me, but it, that really didn't stop most of the campus from continuing to, you know, do the things that they did. And so college, I met my wife in college, actually. So we're, we're college sweethearts and the partying, you know, continued through college. Once I graduated, that behavior that I had during college, it was still going on. So I'm an adult living on my own, moved out of my parents' house. And now I go from partying in college to throwing parties <laughs> at my house every weekend. <laughs> and the ironic thing was, you know, I'm still into real estate, but I got into real estate once I graduated college in about a four unit building. And I eventually moved into it. So I'm the landlord throwing parties almost every <laughs> single weekend, All right. <laughs> you know, wondering like, are my tenants kind of upset about this? But, but anyway, I, I continue that behavior. You know, our, our first son was eventually born and that still didn't stop me. I, I still had that behavior of drinking every weekend and it started to affect my personal life. Uh, there was this, some decisions that, that we can get into that I made that, you know, eventually affected my relationship, you know, with my wife. And, you know, once I proposed to her and we eventually got married, that marriage ended up dissolving as quick as it got together. Um, we got divorced just over a year after we got married. And I'll get into the reasons why. Mm. Um, and after that divorce was when I realized that, hey, I, I need to get my my life together. Um, that that's when I really started thinking about sobriety. I went from, you know, drinking and going out a lot every weekend to, Hey, why don't I just try this on occasion? And I realized that drinking on occasion really wasn't helpful because my issue was, was binge drinking. So yeah. I can go periods of time without drinking, but you know, once I did drink, there's no off switch. I'm drinking all night. I'm blacking out. And, you know, there were several arrests throughout the years, you know, DUI, reckless driving. And, you know, once I got my life back together, my wife started to, well, my ex-wife at the time started to notice that, hey, he's getting his life back together um, and he's in a relationship. So we got divorced February 2017 and I started a relationship shortly after that. And, you know, my wife is noticing that, okay he put me through hell for nearly 20 years. He's getting his life back together. Now he's dating someone else and they're reaping the benefits. Right. Uh, and then she approached me and said, Hey, you know, why don't we get back together? See if we can work things out. And mm. yeah, we, we, we took time to think about that and, and we eventually got back together, but there was a lot of work that we needed to do. Uh, we had to go to, to couples counseling and work through the issues that occurred um, over the years. And once we got through those issues, you know, we eventually got remarried and now we're, you know, very happy. And like I said, you know, we started the podcast and we share, you know, our journey through our relationship and, and some other issues uh, that have occurred along the way. Um, but there was a lot of therapy involved that helped me get to sobriety and also helping uh, our relationship. But there's a lot to unpack <laughs> with what I just went over, but that's kind of a overview of my story. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's it's nice that it had that 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 resolution though, right? Like after those 20 years being together, we got divorced, and then like she she's like, Where did that Glenn go? Yeah, <laughs> oh he's back. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll, I'll give her credit because, you know, she always says that there were two sides of me, you know, even when in college. So there was the party side and then there was the softer side that she would see when it was just her and I hanging out, you know, in her dorm or, or apartment. But she always saw something in me. She didn't equate the alcohol to Glenn. She knew that that wasn't the true me. So she always saw the best in me. And I think that that kind of helped, you know, including, you know, me getting my life together to bring her to the point where 
hey, maybe we should work things out because considering the circumstances of why we got divorced, you know, was was because of an affair that I had. And, and that takes I would have never expected us to get back together after I did something like that. And mm. <laughs> so I credit her. Right. I would have never thought that I had a chance in, in hell to <laughs> get back together. Yeah. 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 And so, all right, man, lots of questions <laughs> and <laughs> and I appreciate your honesty, man. Like, cause you know, that's some real raw stuff you're sharing with us. So that's helpful. And I'm sure guys might be able to relate with it as well. So yeah, the, you got divorced, like all of those things happened. Like what, what was it for you? Like that kind of catalyst or pivotal moment where you were like, I'm, I'm done. Or, or like, what was the belief that led you to start, making those changes right yeah that's a good question so during the divorce process when it was becoming final in february you know mm. that's when i hit rock bottom i got arrested for i don't know i think the fourth or fifth time that that month for reckless driving so the, what happened i was out celebrating with a friend uh we were celebrating a promotion and the only thing that I remember was being at the bar and then, you know, doing the field sobriety test, trying to walk in a straight line and then getting in handcuffs. And so thinking about that, that's very dangerous, right? When, when you drive home and you don't recall the drive. Mm -hmm. And so from where the bar was at to where we lived at the time, that's about a 35 minute drive. Wow. And I was about two stoplights away from being home. So to, to to illustrate how close I was in terms of the police station and where we live, they went to go pick my wife up to come get me from the police station to then drive me home. And that was shortly after the divorce got final. And I was already in process of moving out. But she's like, hey, you you have to leave like right now. Yeah. And I ended up moving into, you know, a condo by myself and it was the arrest, but also me being in the condo by myself. So now I've lost my family. I can't see my kids until the weekend. And I would just go home every day after work and, and going to the gym and I'm just by myself. And I realized like, man, I, I failed my family. You know, all I can think about was my kids. Like now my kids are having to deal with this situation because of the decisions that I made. And so those two events were kind of the catalyst to push me forward and say, you know, well, you, you got to get your life together, you know, and not to mention my family wanting me to change as well. You know, I got to, you know, coming to Jesus talk from, from my, my dad and my stepmom and my mom, you know, after that last arrest and they're like, dude, get it together. You know, <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's, it's time already. <laughs> Yeah, well, and as we know, right, like I'm, I'm sure you're aware, like working with guys as well, like or anyone, we, we can only change when we want to change, right? So, it, yeah, you kind of, as you shared your rock bottom, like it took you that to almost like wake up and be like, fuck, what am I doing, right? Like yeah. noticing what was happening for your kids. I just yeah. I just wanted to speak to for a moment, dude, around like just before that time, like why you might have been getting in trouble so much with drinking and uh, be getting arrested and stuff like that, like going through the divorce, like uh, kind of like is how were you trying to like manage or cope, right? Or or not as the case may have been like what emotions were coming up for you during that time? Yeah, that that's a good question. You know, the process started when I started going to therapy and the only re I don't want to say the only reason, but what started my therapy process was, you know, as I was in the middle of this extramarital relationship, you know, I started going to therapy to just figure out why I was unhappy in my relationship to the point where I chose to have a relationship outside of my marriage. Like, mm. yeah, so that's what started the process. But as we started to, as I, I went weekly and as we started to uncover some things, then we started addressing the alcohol and it was during that process and also during the divorce process where I started to uncover, you know, there's things that occurred 
you know, throughout my life that kind of led me to abuse alcohol in that way. You know, my parents got divorced when I was about uh, seven, eight, very young. And, you know, we, we were with my father during the week and then we would go to my mom's house, you know, on the weekend. And it didn't really occur to me that, you know, in most cases, kids go with the mom, right? <laughs> and so yeah. you realize that you kind of lose that part of, you know, nurturing, you know, as a young child and not being with your your mom during the week. And the other thing was, you know, in talking with my mom, as I went through my divorce process, you know, she opened up and said that, hey, she was going through a really tough depression during that time. And she really wasn't in a place to give us the love that we needed. Yeah. And so you add that with also the fact that, you know, my mom drank, you know, she would, you know, throw parties at her house. I remember as a child, you know, her friends would come over there, you know, they would play cards to the wee hours in the morning, you know, drinking beer, smoking cigarettes. And so that's a behavior that I kind of took on. And then not to mention, you know, that side of the family in terms of my mom's side of the family, they had issues with alcohol. So there was a myriad of things that would come up, you know, during therapy and during the divorce process that I realized that I took on some of those behaviors, but there's, there was also, you know, some pain that I didn't really address, you know, in terms of, you know, the family issues, you know, that occurred throughout the years that resulted, you know, from my parents being divorced and then being unhappy in my relationship as well. So, yeah. Yes, as, as someone who's been going through therapy myself more in more recently as well, like I can I can relate to some of what you're speaking to there, right? But it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Like how it, when we're young, like as you shared just there, right? Like your mum wasn't around there in the week, but as like a young, how old did you say you were? Like seven, eight? About eight? Yeah, about eight. Yeah, eight years old, right? Like, <laughs> You just like, there's no way for an eight year old to be able to process and comprehend what, what's going on. Like, and so what we tend to do as children is we like internalize it, right? Like we make it mean something about ourselves versus like understanding as you do now that your mom was going through a depression at the time, you know? Yeah. Ah, yeah. oh, there's a lot of unlearning to be done. <laughs> yeah. You, and you don't realize it until you, you, you get older. You're like, oh man, you know, like, okay, that's why I kind of did some of the things that, that I did. And, and I just remember my mom being unhappy for, for so long, you know, and, and even, you know, when my dad moved on and, and married my stepmom, you know, and, and I love all three of them to death, you know, they did the best that they, they could. And, 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 but, you know, things were strained over the years. And, and then when my mom, she couldn't really move on to a happy relationship. So that was another thing that I would witness just, you know, her tumultuous relationship with, you know, an ex-boyfriend of hers. And it would just be, you know, years of seeing them argue. And it got to the point where I chose not to even go over there on the mm. weekends anymore. Once I was old enough to make that decision, you know, when I was able to drive, I stopped going to my mom's house on the weekend. I'm like, cause I just didn't want to see that all the time. So there's a lot that you see that you just don't realize how it impacts you until you kind of get older and start uncovering some of those issues. Yeah. 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 Cause it just gets buried deep. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And so like on that, like when we bury things, I guess, let's kind of speak to that for a moment. Right. Like, so you started uncovering all of that. I'm curious, you know, when that stuff started coming up, is that what, as you were creating awareness, like you started drinking more, is that what you noticed is because you didn't particularly yeah. like what was coming up? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the key. It's like, once you have some awareness and you figure out, okay, these are the reasons why I'm exhibiting these behaviors and then figuring out like the exact issue that I had, because I didn't know what binge drinking was, you know? So as I'm going through therapy and uncovering these issues, you know, it helps when you're able to identify what your problem is. So I knew I had an issue with alcohol. I just didn't know what to call it. And so I'm, I'm researching and, and I find this term called binge drinking. And I'm like, okay, this, this is my issue. Like, I okay, this, this is 
what I do. And so now that I'm able to identify exactly what my issue is, I don't know why it was so important for me to, I guess, find a name for it. But for me, it was important, you know? Mm. And, and so once I realized that, hey, you're a binge drinker and here's why you're drinking, here's all the issues that you realize that you you had, now it's time to fix it. And unfortunately, it wasn't until, like I said, we we got that divorce and had my last arrest where I finally started to fix the issue. But that wasn't even what led to my sobriety. And, and we can get into that, too. There's a whole story <laughs> behind when I actually decided to stop drinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Of course, we want to hear it. We want to hear it all, man. <laughs> I, and one final thing just like that was coming up for me there as we're speaking about you know those things coming up and then starting to manage with them creating awareness it's like sometimes more than sometimes as humans right like we start getting awareness and rather than going to like compassion and curiosity we go to blame we go to judgment we go to shame and we start like being so hard on ourselves man yeah. And as if, as if that's going to help us. <laughs> yeah. <Right>? That, <laughs> that's a, that's a good point. You know, I, I definitely blamed myself when I lost my family. You know, that was something mm -hmm. that I had to sit with and process and, and, and own it. You know, all, all the other things too, like I for, I forgave myself in terms of, you know, just spending money that we didn't have, you know, because I was going on trips and and get buying bar tabs, all, all those minute details and issues that occurred, you know, even the affair, I forgave myself, but it took me some time to forgive myself for breaking up my family. And mm. so being able to to sit with that alone, that was helpful, but that's a process that I, I had to go through. Um, you you have to face the issues, you know, yeah. you really have to sit with it and not escape it with those same patterns and behaviors, you know, so I could have easily just kept on drinking, right, and just masked the pain. But at that point, I had done so much work that I was at least able to recognize it and say, you know what, let's, let's do something different. Let's own it. And let's move forward and just be a better person for the next relationship that you get into. Nice. Well, yeah. and, and for the relationship with yourself, right? Uh, yeah. And this idea of, 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 of blame, right? Like there's a difference between blaming yourself and taking responsibility, right? Like to say, okay, yeah, I can totally see how my actions like cause and effect, right? Like how my actions have led to this point, but like blaming yourself, because of it like rarely changes anything you know but as Absolutely. you did like you took responsibility and then that led you and led you on a whole different pathway and there was one other thing sorry i just remembered i wanted to say like you said around binge drinking right and i could totally relate to that in myself as well and what i also find is like what we do in anything we do in everything so yeah. like i'm just curious dude like where else did you find binging showing up in your life like outside of alcohol Oh, man, that is a great question. You know, we talk about like addictive personalities, you know, yeah. kind of. And so as funny as this may seem, you know, binging shows up because I have a huge sweet tooth. Right. Mm. And I would binge eat sweets and candy after I got sober and it would get so bad where this it is it's funny. It would get so bad where I would wake up with headaches because I had yeah. consumed so much sugar. But another example is I feel like that part of me in terms of binge drinking, you know, that applies, you know, in terms of my health and fitness, you know, my passion for health and fitness. It I would say it's always been there, but there were times where not that it was an unhealthy behavior, but it was just the perfect outlet for me. You know, like I, right now I train seven days a week and that's just for me. Like I have to train seven days a week. And before I would only train six days a week. And that one day that I would rest, I would just feel off because that one workout that I would miss in terms of rest during the week, 
that's a whole part of my morning routine, you know, that's gone. And so it's just that fierce level of commitment and I guess discipline that may be coming from, you know, my mindset when it comes to binging, right? And, and using that for other behaviors in the same way that I use, use it for alcohol. So I would say that that kind of applies like, you know, when I used to just eat sweets like crazy, you know, and, and just my obsession with, you know, my health and, 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 and fitness, right? So I would say it kind of applies to, to both of those things, but it's especially just sugar cons consumption. That, that was a, that was a thing for me. It's like, I went from alcohol to sugar. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I find that a lot, right? Like that was true for myself. And it's true for a lot of the guys that I work with is like, we kind of like trade addictions, right? Like, um, and I can totally resonate with that headache thing, right? I was really confused when I had a felt like I had a hangover the day after eating loads of sugar because that's kind of what it feels like, right? It's right. the withdrawal and it's, yeah, like the who else knows what's going on? So yeah. you, you notice, yeah, like that, that sugar. Let's just speak to that for a minute, right? Because like one of my top values is health and um, which is one of the reasons why I wanted, like I knew alcohol was in conflict with me and a lot of the guys I work with that tends to be in their top values as well and I'm 100% guessing it's one of yours yeah so, you know like what what do you do with the guys that you work with because you do like fitness coaching and everything else and addiction right like when when the thing for sugar comes up like what are your yeah it's, it's yeah it, it's it's really you know uncovering you know the behavior like kind of what we talked about it's realizing like yeah. hey some of those those behaviors, that mindset that you have uh, to that you, you know, you had in, in terms of embarking on those previous behaviors. Yes, that can carry over into other areas of your life, even if it is, a, a you know, a positive area in your life. It can be harmful in a way if, if you have that same mentality. So it's not about balance. It's just about finding your purpose behind why you're doing what you're doing. And so uncovering why you're doing those behaviors and then just being able to manage that mindset and apply it in a positive way, you know, when it comes to, you know, your health and fitness. But a lot of what we go over is, is mainly the mindset. You know, your mindset has to be right in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish in terms of health and fitness, because, for example, if you're not disciplined, there's no point in in saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to embark on this health and fitness journey when you're not sticking to your nutrition or if you're skipping workouts. So it, it's the mindset that's first. And then everything else is sort of like a byproduct, right? There, there's an evolution in terms of how you address it. People going to health and fitness wanting, you know, the perfect body, wanting a six pack, wanting, the, you know, big arms, but focus on why you're doing those things, focus on having, uh, you know, a positive mental attitude, um, healing yourself from pre previous traumas. And then the byproduct is the abs, the nice arms, because you have the discipline to go to the gym, because you have the discipline to eat the proper nutrition on a daily basis, but it's, it's really fixing the mindset. And so just healing from those traumas, you know, uncovering those issues as to why, and then just managing that on a day-to-day -day basis and applying it in a more positive way. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Something I found out about myself fairly recently is binging, right? Like where that first came from. And like, I, I always thought it was like more adult life, but it actually went way back to when my mom and dad got divorced. And we'd moved country, we lived in Germany and we moved back to the UK and my mum my and dad got divorced at the same time. And then we got introduced to a school and got introduced to the school on the first day as the Germans. And like, you know, I know it's like 50 years after the war, but there was still a lot of like hostility towards German people, believe it or mm. not. Right. Like, so we, we'd get called Nazis in the school playground and stuff. So like this poor little fucking nine-year-old version of me man like i did not appreciate how much shit he was going through how much change like how lonely he felt and i remember just like binge eating like we get like the big multi-packs of crisps or chips right like i just eat loads and loads and like hide them down oh, the sofa wow. and stuff yeah and that's that kind of like where it originated from and it was so 
fascinating to see that because it, it came at a time where I was trying to I, I felt so lonely, I guess, and that I was wanting to feel better about what was going on. And that I seek, uh, yeah. sought comfort yeah, in food. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's, that, that's, that's pretty fascinating that it, that you realize that it started that young. Um, yeah. I would say, you know, like I said before, and I can identify with your story because we, we literally just mm. talked about this on the podcast, you know, about when we, so during the, at, right after my parents' divorce, you know, we ended up moving from, you know, Chicago to the suburbs and it was a predominantly, uh, you know, white neighborhood and white school. And there were instances where, you know, I would be called the N word, you know, and yeah. that was the first time that I had to deal with that. And so I got in a lot of fights, you know, elementary school, you know, even early in, in junior high. And so that kind of plays a part into it, right? Like fighting, as a, as a child and going through that and, and, and having to go through that type of racism. So yeah, that adds to it as well. Right. Yeah, <laughs> so again, so it's the traumas. Yeah. yeah. It is a trauma. Absolutely. Let's kind of like come back. Right. Cause we, I, I was really interested to talk about that. Cause I think it's important. Cause I think it just helps give us understanding, right? Like there's these younger versions of us that, like we all have trauma right like some trauma is less than others i think the word trauma some people go to like sexual abuse and all of those types of things but sometimes we can have like mini traumas as well where, like, where someone doesn't want to play with us on the playground and like that can lead to like how we identify to ourselves and stuff so yeah it's just you know be curious right like just kind of like yeah. seeking to understand what what may or may not have happened or, or how we've interpreted it at least yeah, that that that's a good point. Yeah, like, like like you said, like although there may not have been, you know, major events, right, or that one thing, like you said, like maybe sexual abuse as an example, but you could have a bunch of mini traumas that just add up over time, you know, and then it's even exacerbated if you have many traumas that occur and I don't want to undermine and say many, but you have, you know, quite a few traumas that occur over your life. And then you add that with some major traumas that occur, whether it's sexual abuse or your parents divorcing, you know, yeah. things of that nature. Yeah. You're able to figure out like why you address certain situations in the way that you do, or like we said, why you, you know, binge drink and, or, or use binging, behaviors and yeah so for me the binging really didn't occur until I got introduced to alcohol and the mm. funny thing is even before college even when I was in high school you know I drank some beers here and there in high school but it wasn't binging behavior it wasn't until I got to college where there's an abundance of alcohol you're in this party atmosphere you know and then I experienced huge popularity and so as I was growing up I was never like a popular kid like I knew a lot of kids but I wasn't like one of the popular kids and so once I got to college that all changed so now I'm this hugely popular person and so now I'm managing this new aspect of my life like damn I'm, I'm one of the popular kids now right <laughs> so now I'm having to uphold a certain image and so I think that played into it as well upholding that popular guy party guy you know ladies man image and carrying that not only through college but after I graduated so that was that was another aspect that I feel like played a part in my binge drinking because you're having to keep up you know when you know so many people if you have one group of friends that aren't partying that weekend well you have a whole other group here it wants to party that weekend <laughs> so it's just non-stop right <laughs> yeah it's just so mad isn't it like how we we create this persona this image is like ego i guess like how we identify to ourselves and like we have to to live up to it right like even though yeah. it can be kind of exhausting at times yeah it's like it's it, and it can be like a drug sometimes because yeah. you're living this life where in the moment it's just fun. You know, even in my adulthood, being a, a working professional, it was the same thing, just being popular amongst the people within 
you know, uh, this, the workspace. So it, it just transferred over to there. So now it's happy hour after work and it's the same thing. <laughs> so like, oh, this is fun. And so you realize like you're starting to make decisions that are affecting not only your work life, but you know, your personal life. Yeah. Yeah. It's that whole weekend mindset, isn't it? You know, living for the weekends and just going out and getting absolutely like totaled and stuff. But I know when I first stopped drinking, like Fridays and Saturday nights were like weird places to navigate. And even now, like four years into sobriety, fifth year of sobriety, like sometimes like on a weekend, like I really feeling like I should be doing something other than what I'm actually doing. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah. I'm the complete opposite. Like and me, my wife and I, we laugh because I'm more of a homebody now. Like I don't really like going out unless it's a date night or, you know, a family night with, with us and the kids or, you know, my family, like my parents and my brothers, you know, best friends, things of that nature. Other than that, I don't like going out. Like I, I think because I did it at such a high level, like literally at a high level, just, vacations in vegas and you know we used to go to toronto for this event every year and all the it it, when you do it to that level it's like you just get tired of it like so when the weekend comes i'm like are we relaxing we're doing the date night what are we doing (laughs) yeah yeah well uh, don't get me wrong i absolutely love spending time by myself but it's just like there's sometimes like i want to stay up late you know like i'll be tired but i want to stay up late because it's the weekend it's just like yeah that's totally understandable yeah Yeah, that's totally understandable Um, funny you mentioned vegas i was watching the hangover again at the weekend (laughs) (laughs) absolute chaos man like absolute chaos all right cool dude let's talk about your sobriety man like because i'd love to hear about that like what did it look like when it all all got rolling for you yeah so yeah let's talk about that event so here's what caused me to stop drinking i was switching jobs and the co-workers that that i was working with they're like hey let's go celebrate your new position you're leaving the company moving on to bigger and better things so hey let's do it and around this time you know i'm still just drinking on occasion you know i'm not really doing anything crazy my wife and i had been back together for about a year at this point post-divorce. And so we go out to the bar, start drinking. And then next thing you know, I'm at my manager's house with, you know, her husband and her kids. I wake up, there's kids staring me in the face and I'm looking like, holy crap. Like I didn't make it home, you know? So it was reminiscent of all the other times that, you know, I woke up and not, and didn't remember how I got there. And just the first thing I thought, I'm like, you know, my wife's going to be pissed, you know, like, damn, I, I did it again. Like, here we are back together trying to fix our relationship and I'm doing it again. And I, I take an Uber home and I know she's just pissed. And it was just in that moment, I'm like, I'm not screwing this up again. And it was the only event like this that occurred since we had been back together. And it was that day you know, uh, that I decided to, to not drink. So that's actually what led me to my sobriety. So I had already been leaning towards giving up alcohol, but that event, and we, again, we talk about binging behaviors. It, you know, for me with alcohol, it it's, I just can't do it without binging. And, And that was proof. Like, although I had gone, you know, over a year after we had got back together, not, you know, creating those same issues in terms of alcohol, but here it is, it reared its ugly head and I binge drink that whole night and didn't make it home. So I'm like, you know what, for me, I can't handle alcohol. And I was Mm -hmm. okay with that. You know, I just got to the point where, you know what, you're just better off not drinking because you will eventually binge drink. It's just, it is what it is. So you can continue to fight it and just say, you're going to drink on occasion and not binge drink, or you can just give it up you know, for the sake of your relationship and your family, because remember what happened last time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that was, that was the event that that caused me to say, hey, I'm done. And yeah, I, I, I remember reaching out to one of my best friends. I'm like, yo, I'm done drinking, man. Like I've had this issue and a lot of people didn't know, you know, a lot of people didn't know how serious 
my issue with alcohol was, you know, they would party with me, but they didn't, you know, they weren't around dealing with the things that my wife dealt with, you know? Yeah. Well, yeah. So that, that, that well, was, I think it. that's like going back to what you said, it's like the masks we wear, right? Like this is how we want people to see us, you know? Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't want people to, you know, think that you have an issue with alcohol. You know, for me, it was, it was kind of a sign of weakness. And like I said, yep. in the beginning at that time, I didn't know of any sober communities. <laughs> so, you know, my thing was therapy. And so I'm kind of like dealing with it on my own. There's no one that I can really turn to and talk about this issue. You know, I, I would have conversations with, with my mom, you know, and, and she would talk about, you know, her, her battles with alcohol, but she obviously didn't do the same destructive behaviors that I did, but it was still helpful to talk to her. So it was just me and my therapist having to to go through that. And then my wife being there uh, to support me. Uh, but yeah, it was just something that I didn't really talk about with my friends uh, until I decided to get sober. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and let's just speak to that, right? Like that's a guy thing, not just guys, obviously, but like, I think the, we see it a lot or I see it a lot, at least in men and, and in myself, right? Like just that ability to to talk or to express what's going on for you. Like even just to be honest with myself about I'm, how I'm feeling. Like I'm obviously much better than better at it than I used to be, but it's still like a journey, man. Like just to be honest with myself about how I'm feeling, thinking that I should be able to like get on with it and fix things and not complain and all the shit. Yeah, and and that... And there could be a wide variety of reasons outside of just, you know, being a male. Because, yeah, generally speaking, men have a hard time, you know, expressing their feelings. Right. But especially if you've grown up not really expressing your feelings. So it's normal to not do that. But, you know, now, like you and I have have grown, you know, yeah, we're able to be honest with ourselves and express ourselves. And so that's what we look to impart upon our kids, our two boys. You know, so whenever there's something bothering them, you know, we sit them down and, and make sure that they're able to communicate and talk about their feelings because we don't want them to hold those issues internally. And then it comes out in a destructive way, much like what I would used to do. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just learning from that and being able to to, to learn how to communicate and express yourself and, and being OK with being vulnerable. Yeah. As long as you have the right support group around you. They'll, they'll be there to help you yeah and it's so true i right? like so much of that stuff originates from from our upbringing whether it's parents or or caregivers whoever it might be i just like another example that came up for me about that it's like mum. i remember from a young age i used to like worry quite a lot and then i'd tell my mom like i had these ailments and she called me a hypochondriac she was like i'll stop being a hypochondriac and then like at that time, what I actually learned was it's not okay to speak about how I feel, mm. which kind of like plays into this narrative. And there's just like so many different examples of things like wow. that through our lives where we just, that's that young version of ours who can't process, isn't able to comprehend. And so they, we, we just like make it mean something about ourselves. That That's, that's a good story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. kind of fascinating, man. Like I, I and I, and I don't, I don't blame her at for it at all right like yeah she was just doing what she she probably felt really stressed like in the way that you're you recognize that your mom was going through something like because we're humans like <laughs> it's kind of unavoidable yeah. and it will like how are our parents brought up and all of the things a couple of things you said uh a few moments ago as well right uh about how you would be perceived to to not drink and like one of those was the weakness like not being able to drink was a weakness and that's something that comes up fairly regularly with the guys I work with but also you shared that you just made that choice where I like I can't handle alcohol and I've had guys like think this before as well but I've actually almost been ashamed that they haven't been able to handle alcohol they're like using it against themselves and I I did as well right like because I used to pride yeah. myself on being able to drink copious amounts of booze and be all right which was always yeah, alive. Yeah, that's, <laughs> I'd say, you know, I, I totally agree with that, man. It's just like, 
you feel like, damn, why can't I drink? Like, why can't I handle yeah. it? Right? Like, why should I give it up? You know, <laughs> like all these other people are drinking. My friends are able to do it without having any issues. Yeah. It's like almost trying to prove yourself wrong <laughs> and trying right. to prove that you can handle it. But for me, I'm like, nah, man, <laughs> you can't handle it. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. And you have important. to drop the ego. Yeah. And that, that that's the other fascinating thing is like our brains always comparing us to other people, but we have got fuck all knowledge about other people. Really, like we only know about other people in terms of what we see. Like there's so much other time that we're not with them that they might be like really thinking their drinking's a problem or there's other stuff going on in their life. Right? Like it's it's that's true. We gotta watch our brains, man. <laughs> yeah, they they could be dealing with the same thing you're dealing with, and you just don't know it. You know, on the surface, it may seem like they're handling it better, but yeah, you're right. You you, you just never know, you know. But yeah. you just because you won't know, you just have to look at your situation and really assess. Like, okay, is is alcohol for you? Is it something that you can handle? And just being honest with yourself and being okay that hey, may, it may not be for you right like my wife can have a glass of wine or two and be okay like she's not gonna drink two bottles like i would right so yeah just people handle it differently you just gotta be honest with yourself and how how it affects you yeah absolutely that's it yeah take it's all about that responsibility man like just bringing it back to yourself yeah absolutely you just gotta take responsibility but again it just comes with the growth process and being intentional with, you know, healing and really uncovering, you know, your issues that lead you to your alcohol problems. Like you have to start that healing process, whatever that looks like for you, you, you have to, to start that process. Otherwise, you know, you'll continue doing the same thing. And who knows, you know, it may be a very worst case scenario that happens just for you to wake up. You know, for me, I felt lucky that I wasn't involved in any accidents that killed somebody, you know, with me getting behind the wheel or, or killing, you know, killing myself being behind the wheel. Like it could have very well been that type of situation because, you know, I know of someone close to me where that happened to them, where they got behind the wheel they were inebriated. And then someone, you know, lost their life in that incident. And then they yeah. had to serve time in, in, in prison for 10 years. Like that could have been me, <laughs> you know, and you don't want that to be the event that wakes you up to say, okay, I'll change now. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's, a, it's unfortunate. And it, and it, that can be someone's rock bottom. Fortunately for me, you know, my rock bottom was, Hey, yeah, I got arrested, but you know, I made it out thankfully. And able to have a chance to to become sober and and so i kind of take that responsibility to you know help other people that are dealing with you know that same situation which you know has led me to like i said led this led me to this sober community and you know there's someone out there that you know could use our message right and, and not taking that responsibility lightly so you heal yourself and heal heal others yeah that's what it's all about man yeah. and who who are the type of guys you work with right like what you we talked about like addictions like what are some of the addictions that you notice and work with yeah yeah mainly alcohol just because yeah. you know they can you know identify with you know my story uh around that so so mainly alcohol uh, that's uh been the main thing that uh you know i've helped people uh with, with their issues yeah alcohol and then you have people that you know just want to get in shape but again it goes back to hey let's work on your mindset like yeah that's great you want to lose some weight let's do it but let's figure out how we can not only address your weight but hey let's address how you got to that point because yeah. there, there there's something there right <laughs> that, that led to you to, to gain that weight <laughs> yeah so that 80 20 rule like the pomodoro method or whatever it's called like always comes seems to come into effect right like people think it's 80 percent going to the gym 20 percent mindset when it's actually 80 percent mindset 20 percent gym and 80 exactly. <laughs> percent nutrition and 20 percent gym like whichever it's, way you exactly 
That's exactly what it is. Nice. Dude, look, time's absolutely flying by. Um, Unfortunately, I feel like we could keep going. But so there's a couple (laughs) of things that I'd love to ask this before we go. And first one is, do you have anything you want to offer to anyone listening today? Any pearls of wisdom? Yeah, you know, my my main thing that I would um, leave for your audience is, you know, heal, heal yourself, you know, go through the process of healing yourself, work through that. And then once you get to the point where you're healed and you're a better person, help someone else because mm. you, you never know who's paying attention to you, who's paying attention to your story because you're going to be the example uh, that they're looking for. Uh, and, and so, you know, once we, you know, over, overcome our own selfish desires, it's then about helping other people. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. There's a quote in the book, The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. He's, he says like, when you evolve, everyone around you evolves. That That's, that's a good point. That's, that's the best thing you can do. Just become yeah. the best version of yourself and everyone will see that and they'll want to follow. Yeah, that's kind of incredible. It's what we need right now. Yeah. Cool. Final question is, what does it mean to be radically human? Radically human? Yeah, man. Mm, I would say being the best version of yourself. Yeah. Be, you know, it, it being the best version of yourself because it just goes back to literally what we talked about. You You become the best version of yourself. You're able to you know, create the life you want, because we, we we have our own desires in terms of the life we want to have. Uh, and But we won't get that if we're not the best version of ourselves. And then once we get to that point, like we said, people will follow. And if everyone becomes a better version of yourself, we'll have a better world, but people need examples. So we need more examples of people you know, becoming them best selves and overcoming all those obstacles and, and just, you know, optimizing their humanity and, and right. And, and just following their purpose and their gifts and sharing that with people. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Thanks, man. All right. And before you go, I'd love for you to let anyone listening know where they can get in touch with you, where they can get hold of you, hang out with you. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, they can reach me on Instagram, uh, direct message at Glenn Doherty Jr. Uh, that's where I, I talk to a lot of people that are interested in my program uh, to, you know, like we said, develop a positive mental attitude, work on their mindset and get them in, in peak physical uh, condition. And then also at about this life pod on Instagram and all the streaming platforms, which is the podcast that my wife and I have. Uh, give us a follow, listen to the episodes, a lot of great content. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm always open and available to to talk to anyone and, and helping them overcome any issues that they have. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. All right, dude, I appreciate you so much for coming on, well, for, for being your re- real honest self, man, like <laughs> an inspiration to all the other guys out there. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks again for having me. I enjoyed nice it. Nice one, dude. And guys, <laughs> thanks for listening. Take care of yourselves. See you again soon. Bye-bye. If you want to find out more about working with me and seeing how I can help you stop drinking and start showing up in life the way that you really want, visit patrickjfox.com to find out more or book a free consultation using the link in the show notes. Until next time, take care.